This podcast has been brought to you by Creative Podcasts. Hello, I'm Lainey Malkani and welcome to the Social History Hub podcast. It's where we explore the nature of social history and what it means to us today with an exciting lineup of artists, entrepreneurs, academics and writers. They'll share their stories and relive the moments and events that inspired them. Coming up, sculptor and 3D artist Carl Gabriel. His incredible larger-than-life wire structures have captured the eyes of internationally renowned institutions such as the Science Museum and the V&A, home to the largest collection of decorative arts. The foundation, the basic foundation, it's Trinidadian-style carnival traditional technique. I've added my knowledge, my engineering skills and education in England and add to that to take the art to another level. More from Carl in a moment. But first, what's his story? Well, he was born in Trinidad and came to work in London in 1964. He's a trained engineer, photographer and master on the steel pan. Passionate about the Notting Hill Carnival, he's dedicated his craft to creating some of the most elaborate and stunning sculptures with wire-bending skills that he's determined to pass on to younger generations. I went along to his studio in West London to meet him and find out more. I'm really fortunate because Carl Gabriel has invited me to his workshop to do this interview with him. It's the first time we've done a podcast outside of the studio. Thank you so much, Carl. Just describe for me what your workshop actually looks like. It's an eclectic mix of um, different nationalities and colours and shape. If you look to your left, there's an Irish harp and you're, you're coming along. There's a Asian head adorned with sort of watercolor type of earrings. That was actually a part of a bigger costume. It was a, a, a sort of water spirit. If you move on, there's a, a sort of African head that was inspired by a flower from Kew Gardens. If you move along, there's a Native American head. It's a wire sculpture covered in paper. You move along a bit more. There's another piece which, again, is a sort of sea ocean type inspired. It's it's a mermaid. It's got sort of like shells for for headpiece and you know natural shells. Oh, you haven't seen this, but if you stand, the the color piece is natural pearl shells. As I say, I like to work with natural material. Uh, if you come along a bit more, there's a full. Wire sculpture is, is a head and boss of Nefertiti. Every time I put that on show, there's big headlines. And as we go along, <laughs> right, there's a, there's, a, there's a sort of goodish. And as you come along, a bit more is a bit of rubbish. <laughs> well, every, every working workshop needs to have a bit of rubbish. It's not even a massive workshop. This is mm. about seven metres square, so it's yeah. all tightly packed in here. Yeah. And then right in the centre of the workshop, you've got a, a, a table a laid yeah. out with, a, with what I think you've described as a totem pole. It's a totem pole made out of wire. And, and wire is your signature, isn't it? Wire because is my it's signature, yeah. Presumably coming from your background in engineering and making these larger-than-life structures. Why did you make them out of wire? I wanted to bring something different to the carnival fraternity. Nowadays, everybody is looking for an easy way out. And 
the first thing you think about oh we have this vacuum foam but in my opinion those sort of material has not got a life they're, they're very dead if that, that's the word I could use you know but with wire and stuff you can manipulate it in all sort of shapes and, and, and style you know and it just feels right most of the work is, is just left as a wire sculpture then sometimes you want to put a skin on it so I'll, I'll sort of cover it with a papier mache and then hand paint it and if I want to go to another stage by Adonis I'll use things like dry leaves and seed pods and bits of uh, sort of decaying wood and things like that. You mentioned the head Nefertiti. of Nefertiti as yeah. being one of your favorite pieces how long will would that have taken you to construct? Normally a head would take about four weeks that one took about eight weeks because from experience once you put something on exhibition all sorts of people will be looking at it and in England here yeah, you got a lot of academics I've always said from day one I would not expose any of my work unless I could describe it and unless it's true and I had to do a lot of research you know, every aspect of that work means something, and it's from the era. I couldn't put something like from Tutin Carmen times on that because it will be torn apart. So I have to be very careful about what I, I sort of put onto the piece. And your pieces have been on display in the V&A, in the Science Museum, around the world. Mm. How does that feel? It makes me feel important. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very nice feeling. And it really, it sort of like makes me feel more flexible, makes me feel less restricted and makes me feel that, right, you know, it's been accepted. People love the work. All I need to do is to concentrate on refining it and doing it better every time. And the story that you tell in your sculptures and the period of time from 1964 when you first started out as a mm. photographer to today what kind of history is it telling? If you go to the tabernacle, there's a panman, and just by the way it's being presented with, with the sort of clothes and stuff, you can tell it's not from the 20th century, you know, because it's, it's the, 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 the sculptor is a man playing a pan, and he's got a wrap on. A pan being a steel pan. A steel pan, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, and he's got a wrap rather than the trousers, you know, and um, he's got a sort of steel pan around the neck, and you know, the elders and, and, you know, people know that that is not from the, the 20th century. In creating these beautiful works of art, have you documented history since 1964? To be honest, from the day Lynn and I chucked our hat into the ring, we haven't stopped. It's like there's a, no time to even look back. But have you, in, in the images and the changes and the history that you've looked at, is there a historical dimension to the last 40, 50 years of your work? Not officially. I have took a little time out to take photographs and document it photographically, but no one has really sort of sat down or took it, it as a... As a decision to say, right, I'm going to document Carl and Lynn Gabriel's work. But it's yeah. here, isn't it? It's, it's here. It's here. And um, to be honest, a lot of people are saying, oh, I'd like to do a, a, a sort of a website of your work. But from the experience that I had as a photographer, I'm a bit shy of it. <laughs> you know, And I feel I need to have control. If that is going to happen, I need to have control of that. So most of the time I'd say no.
Um, so do you think it's important to have control then of, of your story, if you like, and the way that you've, you know, we're, we're talking about half a century here, if you don't mind me saying, um, but, you know, is it important to you to have control over the way in which your history, your story is documented? Yes, I, I feel it's important to, to have control because, let's say from experience, you know, people would see the work and just see the commercial value and, and exploit it. You know, and when you're creating, uh, as an artist, you're creating, you don't have time to, 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 to follow up and, and go to the courts to, to sue people and things like that. You know, it, it, it becomes more frustrating than anything else. So, you know, I try to take control and only, you know, let stuff out that I feel that I want to let out. Mm. Your background is you're from Trinidad. How much has Trinidad and its culture influenced you and your work? The foundation, the basic foundation, it's Trinidadian style, carnival, traditional technique. That That is it. What I've done, I've added my knowledge, my, my engineering skills and, and education that I've had in England and add to that basic way of doing things and to take the, the art to another level and what what really helps me a lot some of the elders who oh, they, they have passed now that came from Trinidad obviously they, they didn't come over to see me but they, they came over to, to, to England probably to, to work with another band or whatever and met me in some some way and um, they were very impressed with the work and um, I remember before some of them sort of went back and as I say they passed now they literally made an effort to come and sort of find me and say to me, listen, we love what you're doing, keep the work up, and more or less lay hands on and say, listen, keep this thing going. And so when I'm working, you know, I could feel that they're, they're sort of guiding me. That's fantastic. And, and of course, you're a team because it's both yourself and Lynette, your wife. Has that been an easy process? Has it, has it been easy it, to be a team? It has been easy because Lynn has got more experience in carnival than I have. Lynn, Lynn has, she's been born... She's born from a carnival family. Her her mum played queen for most of the bands in England. And um, when she was a bit younger, she would go to Trinidad every year and play mass. Her dad plays with steel band. Her uncle is one of the pioneers of the steel band in England with Sterling and, and, and Herman Bettencourt. Really, Lynn is my senior in carnival, <laughs> to be honest. So I, I need her. <laughs> I need her close to me, to be honest. Now, is is the story that you've been telling, does it tell the story of Carl? It tells the story of life in London. Carl is just the person, Carl and Lynn is just the person who's, who, who brings it to fruition, really. What kind of impression do you think you have made on society? A lot of people say they see me as a role model. And they, they, they say it to me. We make ourselves very, very accessible to support and help anybody that feels that they want to embark on this art form. And so you're passing your skills on? Yeah, yeah. We do that every day. We do a lot of workshops in school. We, the teachers and them say how understanding and how patient we are. They, they, they're kind of surprised of our of sort of attitude to, to the way we, we pass the work on. You know, again, and that, that helps us to, to, to do better again and, and just to keep doing what we're doing. 
And is it important to, for you to pass on those skills? It is. It is very, very important to pass the skills on. Because, again, by going around here, people are saying, oh, the youngsters are so disruptive and, and things like that. But they're not doing, most of them are not doing anything to help that, you know. We feel that we're doing something to help. Initially, they, they're a bit aware of what do we want, why are we talking to them and things like that. But when they do sort of come into to the space where we work in, they realize that they could do something, they could contribute, and um, they just keep coming. And, and we could see the big change in some of these kids. And finally, if you were to sum up your career so far mm. um, and, the, and the different eras, the decades as, as they've passed, mm. from 1964 to now, which one kind of makes you feel quite special about well obviously this one but i mean at when i was doing photography i felt special because i was getting lots of lots of opportunities you know shoots in in all these posh hotels and had big clients and so it was special then you know obviously now it's this at least this what i'm doing now takes me around the world so obviously you know we're going to see that as extra special and, I'm, I'm, and we're getting the opportunity to, to, to show work in the national museums. What can be better than that? Carl Gabriel, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. What a Thank pleasure you. to meet you. Thank, Thank you. you. The sculptor, Carl Gabriel, there. Next time on the Social History Hub podcast, I'll be talking to Liz Smale as she recollects an extraordinary campaign to improve housing for homeless families over 30 years ago. That's next time on the Social History Hub podcast. Join us if you can. You've been listening to the Social History Hub podcast. You can listen again to our podcast at socialhistoryhub.com or download each programme from our website, from our RSS feed or from iTunes. And if you have a story to tell, why not drop me an email? Lainey at socialhistoryhub.com. The Social History Hub podcast was brought to you by Creative Podcasts.